And I think one thing that kind of helps me, I guess, like pick myself up after I feel kind of discouraged or frustrated is just to go back to like why I'm doing it in the first place and my definition of success. I think it's really important before you start to figure out like what exactly you want from a career in music. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Brie Noble. Brie is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Brie's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Brie is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey ladies, this is Brie Noble and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast. This is the place where we talk about how to make great music, how to grow your audience and your following, and how to build your business. We are all about making sure that you guys create some income streams for yourselves so you can keep making the great music that you do. If you get something out of this show, I really hope you'll share it with your other musician friends, especially female musicians. I'd really love to connect with them and be able to help them improve the business side of their music career. Also, if you haven't grabbed our 19 proven sources of income that you probably haven't considered for your music business, go check that out at femusician.com. That's F as in female, E as an entrepreneur, musician.com. And don't forget, We will be giving away next week one month subscription to the Female Musician Academy to somebody that gives us an iTunes review. We will pick at random. So please go review this podcast on iTunes. You can either do that within the search in your app on your phone or your iPad, or you can go do it on your computer within iTunes. If you need any help figuring out how to do that, just send me a message at brie at femusician.com and I will do my best to guide you. Now we've got an amazing interview with one of my favorite artists, Jetty Ray. Jetty Ray is a singer-songwriter who's been in the game for more than 10 years, starting at the age of 18. Her musical beginnings were humble, with her first gig at a bar in Hawaii called Dirty Jakes. And while her career has advanced much beyond that now, she likes to keep to those humble roots. With more than eight albums to her name, Jetty's music has been described as nuanced and melodic, while taking lyrics and adding a depth that few artists can. So that's a little bit about Jetty Ray. So Jetty, is there anything that's not in your bio? Because I know it's hard to put all the cool stuff that you do in your bio because it's so short. What else is in about you that we didn't talk about in the bio? Well, I guess not career related, but a very big part of my life, the most important part of my life is I'm a mom and a wife. And I take those roles and those jobs very seriously. They're more important to me, obviously, than my music or my career. Um, That's a whole nother day job. (laughs) Uh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. (laughs) So how old are your kids? My son, Beck, will be two in December, and I'm like due in three weeks to have another, and I will be having a daughter. Holy crap, three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm feeling well, it. I'm glad I caught you. 
glad I caught you now, not in three weeks. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it would have been a different story. I probably would not have been on time and <laughs> probably not coherent. <laughs> right. So how did you get into music? Um, I feel like I kind of got into music accidentally. Um, it was never like a goal that I had or something, you know, that I was like, oh, I'm gonna do this. I think I just had a song or two or three inside of me, at least for my first project. And I was like, you know what, I want to put these out there. And I had no idea what I was doing. Um, or really anything about the music industry, but I um, found somebody in my hometown to record my first album and borrowed the money from my grandma and, um, you know, sent out emails, booking, booking some shows and doing open mics and stuff. And from really from the first album on, I, I haven't really looked back. I've just continued to grow and learn at what actually I'm doing. So <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of a funny story. <laughs> That's amazing. So I also have to ask you about your name because I know it's it's a very unique name, obviously, and it's not your actual given name. So how did you come up with that name? When I was first starting out, it was kind of when um, my, my real name is Brittany. And it was when Brittany Spears was like in the media all the time. You remember when she was like shaving her head and stuff. And, um, I was actually overseas at the time that really like, I got turned off to my own name because I would tell somebody like, Oh, my name is Brittany. And they'd be like, Oh, like Britney Spears. And I'm like, no, not like Britney Spears at all. Um, so I, I came back <laughs> to the States and I was like, you know, um, Brittany is just not going to cut it. There's only room for one Brittany in the music industry really. And, um, I wrote this list of names and different like band names or alter egos. And then I don't, I don't remember who it was, but it might've been my mom. And she's like, what about your grandma's name? Jetty, Jetty Ray. And um, my, my paternal grandmother, my, my dad's mom, she, um, she had passed away. And uh, I had, a, I have a lot of like similarities to her, I feel. And um, Jetty Ray just kind of clicked. And from that time on, Jetty has just become kind of a nickname. Everybody I work with and my husband and my family, they all call me Jetty, which is really cool because I'm like a huge nicknamer. So um, I give everybody a no nicknames. So it's it's fitting. And I cannot stand it when people call me Brittany. Mm. <laughs> That's funny. I love that story. Yeah. So I love how you you know how you just kind of jumped in and just started doing what you do. And so as of now, do you consider yourself a full-time musician or a part-time? Are you supplementing somehow with, you know, something maybe related to the music industry or totally unrelated? Or are you just full-time? I would say I'm full-time and I have been for... I mean, other than being a mom, yep, of course. Yep. I'm full-time music. I don't do anything else for income. I do like... Um, on the side, I do jingles and commercials and licensing. And sometimes I write for commercials. Um, I work with a producer that I've worked with in the past and part of a group called Blender. And uh, we do ads for radio and TV and we'll do custom spots and demos and stuff. So that's kind of like what I do when I'm not on the road and touring. And that's been a really really fun way to stay creative and continue to make music and also make money to 
keep putting into my music. So we have a lot of struggling musicians that listen to this show. They really um, maybe are frustrated. They're at a point in their career where they just aren't seeing any momentum. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear from you if there was a time where you felt like that in the beginning and how you got past that, you know, what you learned out of it and how you were able to move forward to where you are today. I think that no matter how quote unquote far you get into your, you know, career, that frustration is something that you will always feel. I still feel frustrated with, you know, lack of, oh, fan involvement or, you know, I get an email that 38 people unsubscribe from my email list and I'm like, well, why, you know, Mm -hmm. or I, or I don't make a certain gig that I've applied for or win a contest. Frustration and setbacks are, I think, always something constant that you have to overcome when you choose to do something like this. And I'm sure it's not just to the music industry, but especially the music industry as an independent artist. There's just so many artists out there, you know, and there's so many options for venues and for contests. And, you know, there's a lot of talented people out there. Do you just want to make a living and, you know, make music and write quality songs and maybe make a few awesome fans along the way? Or will you not be happy until you have a record deal and a stadium tour? You know, those kind of things are probably not going to happen to most people. Um, Just statistically, you know, it's a lot of luck and not always talent or hard work. But for me, I've always considered myself a blue collar musician. So I'm, I'm just happy to make any kind of living doing what I love to do every day. I love that. I love that because I think that, you know, people get frustrated and they think, Oh, I'm just going to give up because I'm not getting where I want to go. Right. But if you are really passionate about music, it's actually really hard to give up. It is. Can you think about yourself not doing that? You know, exactly. Like what else would you want to do? Like I've never thought for a second, Oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. I've just thought when I've gotten discouraged, Oh, Maybe I'm just not going to sit at the computer and apply online to all these, you know, sonic bids shows that I'm probably not going to get because I don't know the promoters and they don't know me, you know, like I'm just going to focus my time and energy elsewhere. And maybe it's, you know, going out on my front porch and writing a quality song. That's, that's great. I love that. Yeah. Just redirect the energy. Exactly. (laughs) So is there, was there any particular event that happened along the way that really kind of moved you to the next level? Cause I consider you a next level musician. You're not a struggling independent, like you've made some waves in the industry and, and people know you. Right. I don't know if anybody knows me. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, they do. I'm serious. I mean, I see your fans. They're, they're, yeah. they are very passionate. Fans. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I have some really, really good fans that have turned into friends over the years, which is really cool. Um, what was the question? I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Was there any particular event, like anything that happened that, that kind of moved you forward, like a particular album that got, you know, some, some airplay or a certain, you know, show that you did or anything that you felt like you kind of moved to another level? Yeah. I feel like a few years ago, right around the time, I think either I was going to get married or I had just gotten married it seemed like there was like a string of events that just kind of happened. And all of a sudden, you know, I was just kind of like a nobody. And then all of a sudden I had, um, won a contest, Sarah McLaughlin and Terry McBride had picked me for Lilith Fair, Detroit. And that was like 
probably like the first like big deal gig I ever had where like there was a green room and backstage passes and obviously like all these amazing singer songwriters like Sarah McLaughlin was somebody that I really looked up to and still do as a songwriter and definitely her um her music was very influential in my middle school years I I remember asking for her albums for my birthdays that was like kind of a big thing and then there was like a bunch of other contests that I just kind of started winning and it was just like I don't know if that's the way the industry kind of works where like somebody's like, oh, maybe we should pay attention to this person because they won this, you know, and well, uh, I don't know if it was luck or what exactly it was, but there was a lot of other talented people that were up against me. But yeah, there was just a string of events and I, I won like a JetBlue contest. I got flown to New York and got to play in Brooklyn at the shoot. What was that venue called? I don't know, some really legit venue in Brooklyn. That was really fun. Um, and then from that time on, it was kind of a little bit easier to get my foot in the door for other things because I had some like big names attached to me. And that was really, it was a really helpful spot in my career. And still like, you know, people read my bio and they're always like, oh my gosh, Lilith Fair, Sarah McLaughlin, amazing, you know? And I was like, yeah, that was like a long time ago for me now. I'm totally over it, but um it gets people excited and gets people listening. So that's made a big difference in my career. Yeah. I think getting that first one is the hard part. It is. Once you have it, then it's like, Oh, you know, I like that's, you know, really cool that I see that in her bio. I definitely should to listen to her instead of just like putting it on the pile. You know what I mean? Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, Oh, somebody else thinks you're, you're worth listening to. Hmm. Right. (laughs) It's sad. And not just like your mom. Yeah. It's like Sarah McLaughlin, not your mom or something. It's so true. It's sad that it's like that, but that's the way, that's the way the industry works. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I mean, I know that women of substance, you know, we've made a name for ourselves, but we're not as big as saying Lilith fair, but I love that some artists say to me, you know, you're the first person that you gave me, gave me a chance on the radio. And, you know, they put that in their bio, like I was on the top 20 on women of substance and it's actually starting to mean something to somebody, somebody. And I love being part of that, you know? Yep. Yep. Cause that's all somebody. Cause I mean, it's a very small step. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a very small step, but then they can reach the next step after that. If someone thinks, oh, well, somebody likes their music, you know, somebody that, that might mean something that actually reviews music all the time. Exactly. Exactly. So is there anything that you know now that you wish you would have known before that maybe you would tell your, your old self, or you would tell somebody that was just starting out? I mean, there's so much. (laughs) (laughs) And actually that's like one of my favorite things to do with like, I've been doing this for 10 years now. And one of my passions is talking to up and coming artists or artists at the very beginning, say they're recording their first project. I've personally mentored one artist and um, funded and produced her two first singles, Andrea Rizzo. That's been so rewarding. And then there's some other artists that reach out to me and I'm always like really humbled because it's like, yeah, well, you know, what do I know? But actually there's no like roadmap or, you know, college course you can take to prepare you for this kind of career path. It's a lot of like, you know, trying and failing and just keep trying again. I tell people, you know, don't be discouraged and think that you cannot make a living in music if you want to. 
And I'll just go back to what I said about the blue collar musician. I had a manager who told me, he's like, do you want to be a blue collar musician or a white collar musician? And he's like, you know, because if you want to be a blue collar musician, I can totally make that happen for you. And you can make it happen for yourself. And that was like really good advice that he gave me. I would just tell people, you know, up and coming artists to stay disciplined and, you know, realize that you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, but you have to really define success for yourself before you start out, because it is heartbreaking to think you have a deal or think you have this amazing gig. Um, I'll reference like this year I had a demo for Super Bowl ad and that was like huge for me. I was super excited that I was even being considered and um, kind of in the circle of people that could possibly sing on this spot. And it got down to like the wire and I'm just like waiting, 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 waiting to see if I'd been picked. And um, somebody else had, you know, gotten the spot. And it was like, you know, it wasn't that devastating for me. It was just a cool experience. But if I had like, you know, not really defined success for myself, it could have crushed me and kind of sent me to a place of like, I don't even want to do this anymore, you know, because there's just not enough breaks to make it worth it. And I think, you know, redefining like what a big break is for you will be really helpful as an artist. That's great advice. And I mean, think how many people didn't even get to that level on the Super Bowl ad. I mean, it's you and what, two, three other people mm-hmm. and, you know, millions of other people wanted that. Right, right. Yep. I know. So yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta look at, at, you know, change what you think of as a win. Right, exactly. That's so true. And you have to do it at the end of the day. You know, if nobody was listening to my music, I like, would I still write it? I probably would because it brings me joy and it's just something in my soul that needs, needs to come out. You know, I need to write these songs for me, even if nobody else can, you know, listen to them. And that would be really like devastating for me because I love sharing my songs with people. But if I couldn't, I would still, you know, I'd still be doing this because it's just, it's a part of me. It's part of who I am. That's awesome. That's an awesome attitude. And I love that you mentor other artists. Was there a mentor for you along the way that that helped you other than that manager who gave you some great advice, by the way? Yeah, he did. You know, I think my constant mentor through all of all of the artistic kind of stuff has been my mom. She's she's an artist through and through. And she's been able to relate to me and encourage me and cheer me on. But not just like, you know, tell me I'm amazing. Like she'll listen to a first mix and be like, oh, I think you should do this a little bit differently because, you know, it would it would sound a little bit better, or bring the listener in more. And I really value her, her opinion and input and feedback. Um, she's just somebody who really inspires me. When I was growing up, she would actually record and play for hours and write songs with her best friend. And they were they would play in like malls and stuff. And so I think that was very inspiring for me to see from a young age. That's really cool. And I think that it's great to have like a set of ears that's not quite as invested right. as you or your producer or, you know, any anybody in the band to be able to say, you know, look at it from like a fan perspective. Right. Definitely. 
definitely. But also be close enough to be able to tell you when they think that something needs changing. Yeah. And it's crazy because she's like my biggest fan. Like anytime I go to to my parents' house, like I just went over this morning to get some coffee because we live like a block away, which is awesome. But she's always playing my music. I walked in this morning and she's playing my latest project. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then she's, we're talking. She's like, oh, please be quiet. This is my favorite part. <laughs> oh. I, I just like, usually I come in and just turn it down, obviously, because I hate listening to the sound of my own voice. <laughs> oh. oh, it's funny. Well, is there anything that you consider to be unique about yourself? Because I mean, as we've said, there's a huge, huge number of artists out there that you're competing with. Is there anything other than your cool name that (laughs) kind of you can you can kind of exploit as being unique about maybe the way you write music or the way you sing or anything else about your story? Sure. I think one of the things that is kind of unique and I don't talk about it too much, but I have a Native American heritage and my grandmother, Jetty, was actually full-blooded Karuk from a tribe in um, California. Karuk is the name of the tribe. And I'm a tribal member. And um, just knowing that there's not a lot of like positive role models in the Native American community, I think that's something that I, I would like to tap into a little bit more into like my roots and, you know, being kind of like, hey, Here's somebody doing something that they love because there's a lot of problems with suicide and addictions in that, in, in that culture, which is really sad. So it's really cool for me to be able to maybe speak and, you know, touch on some of those things with my music because it makes people's walls go down. That's something I'm really proud of, my Native American heritage and um, something I feel connected to. And, and One other thing I think that sets me apart is I'm kind of like, I don't know, I'm just kind of a strange person. Um, My husband and I are going to be moving out of our house next year into an Airstream. And um, we really like just kind of want to be on the road more and live more of a nomadic lifestyle. I have like this obsession with camper trailers, which is really weird because my my grandmother, Jetty, she was mentally ill. And she... um, she lived in camper trailers, like all different ones, parked in random places in California. And she would hitchhike all over Northern California. And I, I think that there's just something in my blood where I'm like, I just got to get on the road and go. And having my home with me sounds very appealing. So yeah, I, I think that probably makes me a little bit unique. I, I don't really care so much about, you know, making tons of money and buying a bigger, better house and lots of cars and stuff. I just, I want to feel free. Mm. That's really cool. Does that mean you're coming to California? Oh, I will be coming to California. I would love to meet up. You know, I live right near Yosemite. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wait, <laughs> I that's do. on my list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. good. Well, okay. Let's let's hook up for sure. That's that's so cool. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my daughters would love to babysit your kids. Oh, that would be so fun. <laughs> we should go out. <laughs> I definitely, definitely. So was, has there been any like, well, you kind of already mentioned that being, going to Lilith Fair maybe was your mind blowing kind of moment where you're like pinching yourself thinking, am I really here right now? Is there, has there been anything else other than that? I think anytime I'm like asked to be a part of something or recognized for something, I think there's always like a moment where I'm like, wow, really me? Wow. This is so cool. Um, last summer or this past summer, 
I got to open up for Josh Turner and he's a big country act. And it was a last minute phone call really two days before the gig. And it was really funny because I was like, oh man, I wish they would have asked me because I've been writing like way more like not exactly country, but you know, more folk Americana kind of music and really, I really just reverberating with that style of music. And I got a call and they're like, Hey, do you want to come and open for him? And I was like, wow. Uh, yeah, that's really cool because it was just something that I thought, Oh, I wish I could do this. And then it, it happened and it was really unexpected and really neat. I feel like things like that happen all the time. And I'm, I'm very thankful for those little opportunities that I don't really like try for, you know, like those are the things that kind of tell me like divinely I'm in the right place and I don't need to like strive and try to make things happen. Little things like that happen all the time. And I'm always just kind of humbled and thankful. That's, that's super cool. I, I love that when you get a surprise out of the blue. Yeah. Like and that. you're like, I had no best. idea that I was going to do this. You know, it was, it's just, it, it's really cool. Well, I want to hear about your, your recent new project that like just came yes. out, right? When, when did it come out? Yesterday. So that would be the 16th the of September. Yep. 17th. Yep. That's right. We're on the 18th now. So, um, First of all, I want to mention that I met you through Noise Trade. One of your albums was put on Noise, I think it was an EP on Noise Trade, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like, how has that gone for you? I'm I'm a big proponent of Noise Trade. I tell all my artists that I think it's a really good idea to put some stuff up on Noise Trade and um, give away a few things for free to get, you know, fans interested in you that may never find you otherwise. Definitely. So I'd love to hear like your experience with noise trade and if you're doing that with your new project and how it's going. You know, my opinion on noise trade has changed a lot over the last year. When I put up my EP and my full length on noise trade, I wasn't like super blown away by the numbers or by the fans that were made. But the thing about this digital age is you just don't know like if you've made a fan because how many people are going to take the time to reach out and let you know that they actually like your music and it's a part of their life. Like I always am like really humbled and touched when people do take the time because a lot of people don't and your music is just out there. But um, for this last project that I just released with my friend Heath McNeese, we're a duo and it's called the Pen Pals. Pen Pals. Um, that's our band name. And we released an EP on Noise Trade and the response has been so amazing we were number one on noise trade yesterday. I have not checked today, but the fans, his fans, my fans, and then, you know, just fans of noise trade have really been responding really well. So the last two days have been me like trying to keep up with Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all of the response has been so positive and people are really appreciating and downloading it, which is really cool. And, um, I think that's kind of changed the way I look at it, as well as a release of one of my really, one of the people I really love to listen to his music, Josh Garrels. He offered his album, late, latest album on Noise Trade, and he also had it on iTunes. And I think he charted on both. And he sold, you know, thousands and thousands of, of song of albums. And it was like really inspiring for me. I think when I saw that, I was like, wow, like, that's cool that he has enough faith in his fans to just give away his music because, you know, 
you put so much time and money and effort into it. And it feels sometimes like, man, am I really going to give it away for free? But in the long run, I think it's definitely worth it because the the people that really care about music and love it are, they're going to pay something for it. You know, they'll pay what they can, which is really appreciated. That's so funny because just yesterday I did a class with my female musician Academy and I brought up this Josh Geralt. You did. (laughs) And I, yes. And I, I even put an article in the back office of the Academy for people where it goes over where he, um, you know, he got sales on iTunes at the yes. same time as he also put it on noise trade and he made like $25,000 just on noise trade with That's tips. Dope. And then he made, you know, another amount, large amount on iTunes from people buying that were already on his mailing list or already knew him because he had used noise trade for so many years building up. His mailing list is like 200,000 yeah. people yeah, it's crazy. or something because he's been doing this over right. time. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a great example of, you know, him, he's a full-time, he's kind of like, like a blue collar, like you said, you know, a full-time musician who supports his family by doing this. That's so crazy that you use the exact same example. He is, his, like watching his campaign, you know, leading up to his album release and all of it, you know, you watch it from kind of like a business point of view as well as a fan, you know, and you're just like, wow, I'm seeing him everywhere. And oh, this is what he's doing. And just seeing his fan response, um, you know, people loving and sharing the music. I was just really inspired. And he kind of changed the way I thought about, you know, giving away your music for free and seeing how it could work. So mm. when Heath came to me. And Noise Trade has really supported him. I mean, yeah. they've done, they've had him in the newsletter several times. They've done an interview with him. Now, did, did you get in the newsletter this yeah. time? The noise trade, like those things that go, those are so awesome because they only choose good stuff. Like yeah. they don't, they wouldn't just put anyone in there. Everyone that I've found in those newsletters are super yeah. good. Yep. It is. It's really cool. They are kind of picky about that, which is great. You know, they were like, Oh, we've already done feature on you and Heath. We're not sure we're going to do this, but they came around and listened and liked it. So we were in the newsletter and it's just been a really positive response. And, you know, we've made money off of it, which is really, really cool. That is great. That's exciting. Well, I'm glad you explained Pen Pals because I saw that and I thought that was the name of the album. So it's the name of your duo. Yes, it's the name of our duo. And the album is called Gold. It's a, it's an EP and um, it it's kind of a funny story about how it came to be like literally two months ago, I had no idea I was going to be putting out any music this year. I've just been kind of trying to save up my money to work with a producer and work on the next project, trying to get a certain amount of songs. Of course you always want it to be like better than your last project. So anyways, I've been preparing for that and preparing to be a mom again. And, um, Heath hit me up over the blue out of the blue on Twitter and said, you know, I have these songs already written, you know, would you maybe listen? I wrote them with you in mind there. It's definitely a duo thing. Mm -hmm. It's not just you singing harmonies to my, my stuff. So he kind of felt me out on, you know, where like my comfort level was and all of that. And it's been such an amazing process because, it's been very, um, it's just been a very different kind of thing. Like usually duos start with people like hanging out and jamming, you know, like, Hey, we should do this. We write well together. But, 
Um, that's not the way this project started out at all. Heath and I maybe see each other like once or twice a year at festivals and maybe we'll grab, you know, lunch in the green room or something together. So he approached me with this project and he had six songs that were super well written. I loved the melody. I loved everything, which is really surprising because, you know, I do get requests once in a while to do stuff with people and I'm always, I'm really picky, you know, um, especially if I didn't write it. So he gave me a ton of freedom on this project and I ended up recording all of the songs in my office, my home, home studio. And it, it was all done within a matter of two months. We shot a music video. We came up mm. with a com- campaign. Um, it was a lot of fun. And he gave me a lot of freedom too to do whatever uh, vocally I wanted to do with the track. So I felt a certain sense of ownership in them as well. Um, even though I didn't write, write them, I was able to write, you know, actual music and melody lines and do lots of layering. And it, it, it was a really fun project to do. And it came at the perfect time, you know, um, because I didn't have anything slated to release this year. And I was kind of bummed about that because I love to get my fans new music every year. That's something that I think is really important. That's, that's so cool. Now I understand the name pen pals. So you guys aren't even local. No, we're did we're digital pen pals. We've done, uh, Heath is from Georgia and he's like, he's on tour 250 days out of the year. Ooh. Yeah. He is oh. like, anytime I would call him, he'd be in a different state, which is really funny, but I totally get that lifestyle. Like I did that for, you know, a while. Um, my touring is slowed down now, but, um, it just worked because he was so low maintenance. There was no weirdness. And he was never a diva about anything. He was like, you know, I just want to help you out and have your fans like, you know, my fans like you and your fans like me. Maybe, you know, it can be mutually beneficial and I'm honored to have you on the project, blah, blah, blah. He's just been really somebody easy to work with. So I'm I'm sure we're going to release some something else together in the future, maybe a Christmas album, maybe something next year. Mm. It's just kind of nice to give both of our fans something a little bit different. That's cool. And have you considered doing shows where you do your stuff together and then you do your solo stuff? I'm sure we will. Um, we talked about possibly doing a tour like that. And, you know, when we do uh, our summer festival circuit, I'm sure that we will try to do a few sets together from the from the EP, which would be really fun. That'll be cool. Yeah, you can go to a festival and, and submit as two different things exactly. and get, get two slots. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Totally. That's the plan. So it, is there any anything that you would recommend that works the best for you to promote your music and find new fans, like either online, you know, certain social media or I mean, does is noise trade now like your favorite thing or what? What would you recommend? I'm always trying to kind of crack the code on all of that. Um, I'm a little bit like illiterate when it comes to the computer and understanding all of all of the different ways that you can, you know, make fans and reach out. And I have to give tons of credit to my other half, Jason, my husband, he manages me and he does all of the business end of things. And, um, his background is like human and computer interaction. So (laughs) I'm like really lucky to be able to depend on him for all of that. He does a great job. He's totally on top of it. He is. You know, I, this is what I've been doing with this with this project, I've actually learned a lot from Heath because he has amazing fan interaction um, on all of on Facebook, believe it or not, which I really hate Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. He 
he does a really good job of reaching out to his fans and letting them know that, you know, they can reach out to him and ask him questions. And he does Google Hangouts. I've actually just been Mm. kind of like a student as far as that stuff goes and recently decided, okay, I'm going to start approaching my social media like a job instead of something like, you know, a normal person just be like, oh, this is a cool thing that's happening. I'll post it. I try to post Monday through Friday. And I try to, you know, keep a balance of, you know, promoting my music and also letting people know, like, letting people into my world, letting them know who I am. Um, Believe it or not, people care so much more about, like, a picture of me and my son than they do a picture of, like, a new release or a music video. And that used to really, like, bother me. But I guess I'm realizing now in this age of connectivity that people really want to feel like they know you. And... You know, they like your music, but they also want to know, you know, where those songs come from and they want to feel like they can really identify with you on like a friend level. So I guess one thing that I felt that has helped and I've been gaining a lot of Instagram followers is just commenting back to people and taking the time to let them know you appreciate, you know, appreciate them for taking the time to show interest in your life and your career when they could do that with so many other people. So I have not cracked any amazing codes for something that works with, you know, self-promoting. It's something I'm never really fully comfortable with, but I I think it's helped for me to look at it like a job. It's the part of the job I don't really like, honestly. Yeah, I know. Some musicians don't like it. I don't. Because it, it takes so much discipline to really do it right. And But I do agree with you that, you know, they're connecting with you through your songs and your songs are usually a piece of you. And so they want to see the other side of that. They want to see that in picture form and, you know, hear little stories about your kids and stuff. And, and it does seem like, like, why would they care about that? Or, you know, I I just like to talk about my music, but it's true that they really do want to connect with you that way. It's true. And I made, you know, the mistake of only doing stuff for my music for such a long time, you know, that I'm feeling like I'm kind of having to backpedal and kind of let people know like, Hey, I'm going to let you in a little bit more because I've always been a pretty private person. Not that I'm like super famous or anything like that. Thank God. Cause I could not handle that. But, um, I just, yeah. I, I've liked to keep things separate. Like my music is my music. My life is my life. And it's hard to find a balance between the two where it's like, it's where it's still genuine, you know, and you, you don't feel like right. you're like, selling out, you know, like I'm, Oh, I'm going to post a picture of my son. So people will like still listen to my music, you know, like you don't want to get kind of like icky like that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know it's hard. Sometimes I think like, now why am I posting this? Like, you know, but I, you know, it's hard, it's hard, but so I want to go into real quick, like your streams of income, because we, this podcast is a lot about you know, figuring out how musicians can make money with their music, because if they don't make money, then they're not going to be able to continue making music. So what, you know, what is your, how does your income break down? Like, you know, what percentages from shows, what percentages from maybe like licensing, or like you said, doing jingles and, and actually selling music, you know, do you have any kind of idea what the breakdown is? I would say a majority of my income is from shows. Um, in the summer, it's merchandise sold at shows. When I do festivals, I have a few good festivals where I can make a couple grand if I'm there, you know, the, for the whole festival, which is really, really nice um, source of income. And then I get a lot of residual income 
from CSAC and from um, TuneCore, um, from my publishing and licensing, um, just for, you know, little things that people license on Vimeo or whatever. Oh, and AudioSocket is also one that I work with and they are amazing. Um, what is that? I don't even think I know what that is. Audio Socket, um, they license um, music and I got connected with them through a contest I won a couple years ago. And they curate all of their music and they pick who is on their site and they have different genres and moods and themes. And, you know, anybody from like a small time filmmaker who's looking for some music for their film or, you know, say a television show or something they license songs and artists and they've been really instrumental in, in helping continue to build momentum in my career. I've gotten like Microsoft and Petco spots from them, um, from existing music, you know? So that's mm. favorite song was licensed off of my drowning grain album. A bunch of times my lullaby album has been licensed a ton as well, probably more than all my other stuff, which is kind of funny, but, um, They've been very instrumental in helping me continue to do what I do. And I'll get a check from them every quarter that, you know, in turn, I can put back into my music and continue to create stuff. So I'd say touring, merchandise, and then licensing is a majority of how I, I make my music, make my money. And it's really, um, it's really awesome when you set up residual income, you know, as an artist, something that, you know, you're going to get like every quarter. It's not always the same amount, but um, that's really kind of changed changed our lives. And I'm trying to get back into the whole like singing jingle demo stuff. It's a very competitive world. A couple years ago, I did the Truvia ads, and that was like that was the mm. biggest payday I've ever gotten. I did three ads for them, and I got paid as the singer and as the voiceover actor. And it was a SAG gig, Screen Actors Guild. I've been trying to get another gig like that because that those just, they pay so well. And it's really, it's like such, mm. it, it really is easy money. It's ridiculous. <laughs> You're like, wow. Wow. I got paid like a whole, you know, as much as a lawyer makes in a year for singing for, you know, two hours. It's, it it kind of makes you sick knowing that there are jobs like that out there, but you're just not getting them. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, That's it's competitive. Funny. So it's, it's a weird, it's, it's a, it's a weird little breakdown. You know, you just, you're lucky or you're not. Right. That's awesome. Well, we're almost out of time. I want to ask you real quick. Do you have any book that you can recommend for our listeners, even, you know, in relation to music, the music business, or in maybe personal development, anything that really stands out to you that's been helpful to you in your career? Ooh, a book. Hmm. Or songwriting, you yeah. know, any, any, you creative. know, I don't really like, I have never really read any books on, on songwriting or the business. That kind of thing just doesn't really interest me. Um, <laughs> I do read a lot of blogs, which is, you know, I'll, I subscribe to, you know, Sonic Bids blogs and a few others that kind of just like, will tell you like, oh, these are the reasons you're not getting booked or, you know, your fans need, want more of this. I, I've been trying to be more of a student in that way. Um, I, I don't have any books that I would recommend 
I will tell you my life book that I, that helps me and inspires me when I'm feeling, you know, dry. Uh, I love reading the Bible. And actually recently, or a couple of years ago, it wasn't recent, I um, was doing a songwriting session with one of my friends and we were totally stuck. And I was like, oh, just open up the Bible here and you'll find something uh totally inspiring. And, you know, that will really help us get out of our rut. And we opened up um, the Song of Solomon and it's all poetry. It's beautiful, you know, love poetry. And we wrote a song called Wine. And so I guess the Bible would be my recommendation for a constant (laughs) uh, flow of inspiration and life. Yeah, you're you're not the first one to recommend the Bible for oh, this question, awesome. by the way. So it was okay. a good answer. I mean, seriously, <laughs> like anything, you ca- it's in the Bible. <laughs> That's true. Song of Solomon is a good a good option if you're you're stuck oh, on a yeah. love song. Oh, so much good imagery there. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Very well written. Well, it is, it is, I can't believe that we've been talking for like almost 50 minutes. That's crazy. But, um, it's been so awesome to talk to you. I've been wanting to talk to you ever since I first heard your music. Cause I just really love your music and your style. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they want to find out more about your music and, um, you know, maybe ask you some questions or, you know, just on social media, since you're working hard to, uh, work, work harder on your social media. I'll I am. You to work. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> you know, just the standard, um, Facebook and Instagram. I will have to say, I love Instagram. I'm on Instagram all the time. I love looking at pictures and responding to people on there. I just find that the platform is so straightforward and easy and I'm not like having, so is it at, is it at Jetty Ray? It's at Jetty Ray. And then Facebook is at, is slash Jetty Ray. And then, uh, YouTube is the same thing. And I have tons of videos on YouTube, which I've, you know, I'd still love to hear people's input on those. I have tons of covers up from my front porch sessions and lots of music videos up there as well. So any of those platforms would be great to hear from anybody. Cool. Well, guys, go out and check those out. I know you're going to enjoy her music. And thanks so much, Jenny, for spending this time with me today and all your wisdom (laughs) and experience and, you know, all that stuff is is really helpful to our listeners. Thank you so much. And thanks for all you do. It's really appreciated. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.